You know what I thought would be a good idea as we start out this afternoon? <clears throat> is uh, at the end of the day, it, you know, have you ever heard the expression, a satisfied customer? Uh, you, you know, you can talk about the, uh, the theory of something till you, you know, just talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. But at the end of the day, it has to work, doesn't it, really? And uh, we talk about uh, giving our hearts to Jesus and the fruit of the Spirit. Were any of you here this morning? Some of you were here. Uh, what let's do first is, remember I said I was going to ask you what you heard? Huh? Oh, and I've got to tell you this story before I do. <clears throat> the, uh, I was doing a, uh, a series of meetings at a church. I forgot where it was at, somewhere in the West. And they said to me, uh, Pastor O'Field, why don't you come over and uh, speak at the chapel at the academy? And I thought, oh no. Because, you know, you know how the young people are these days? They wear their hats backwards. Have you ever seen them? <laughs> they wear their hats backwards. And when I was uh, a young person, there was only two people in the world who wore their hats like that. One was the catcher and the other was the umpire. <laughs> I'm serious. Because, you know, they both have on that stuff on their face. And uh, so, and by the way, now I know you all are young people, <clears throat> but I've discovered how I can talk to young people perfectly, and, and you'll think I'm really, is with just two, two words. Now, the young people today use two words. One of them is cool and the other is awesome. <laughs> and so, and so you can come up to a young person and just say, cool. And, and, and they'll say, awesome. <laughs> and then you say, cool. And they'll say, awesome. Then you say, awesome. And then they'll say, cool. <laughs> and you just carry on a conversation that way. It goes like that. Anyway, so uh, they wanted me to do this uh, chapel. And uh, so I thought, what am I going to do? You know, what can you say to hold their attention? I thought, I know what I'm going to do. So I went into the chapel and I said, uh, you know, business people spend a lot of money going to seminars where they learn how to make more money. True? And I said, in the chapel this morning, I'm going to teach you how to lose money and I'm going to do it for free. Well, you know, kids love that, man. If it's upside down, it's cool. <laughs> and they thought, man, that's going to be awesome. And how am I doing this? I'm doing it. And so... Uh, I stood up and I said, no, remember, I'm going to teach them how to lose money. I said, one way to lose money is to neglect it. Uh, that means just put it under your mattress or in your closet or wherever and, and forget about it. I said, I have some Peruvian money, they call them soles, that used to be worth $37,000. And in six months, it, I mean six years it went bad and it was worth about three cents. So how did you lose the money with a solace? Stick it under your mattress, come back six years later. Neglect it. Another way is to abandon it. Uh, you just take a $20 bill, lay it on the chair, walk out, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Have you heard that expression? And another way to lose money is just to waste it. So, so there's three ways to lose money. Neglect it, abandon it, or, or waste it. 
So I did that for about five minutes, and I said, the seminar's over. How'd you like it? They said, we liked it. So I was feeling pretty good. And I said, I'm going to do another seminar now, and it's how to lose your girlfriend. Then I really had him. And I, and I said, you lose your girlfriend is you neglect her. You abandon her. Or you're unfaithful to her. You know, you're fooling around with other girls. And I went over that for a while. And I said, the seminar's over. How do you like it? They really liked it. Yeah. And I said, the last seminar is how to lose Jesus as a friend. It's the same way. And uh, so I got done. And I felt like I'd done so good I should be in the youth ministries. <laughs> and... Uh, so I went back to the meetings, and uh, at the Sabbath came, and I walked in the door, and they said, Pastor Phil, would you uh, come and speak to the youth? And I thought, not again. What am I going to say? You know. Anyway, I said, okay. So I walked in the room, the Sabbath school room, and I said, do you remember me? And they said, you're Pastor Phil. You spoke at the chapel on Monday. I said, you remember what I talked about? They said, uh-huh. You told us how to, how to lose money. I said, how's that? And they said, you neglect it. Uh, you you uh, uh, abandon it or you, you waste it. And I thought, man, I did good. Huh? And I said, what, what else did I talk about? And they said, you told us how to lose your girlfriend. And I said, how's that? And they said, same way. That's not bad, huh? I said, what else did I talk about? I said, come on, that was the... We don't remember. And, and I thought to myself that this is the way it goes. That you can be preaching a sermon. But it's only as good as what the people are hearing from their life. And, and, and unfortunately, most people aren't into spiritual values. They're into their, their girlfriends or their boyfriends or whatever it is, or making money or whatever it is. And, uh, and at the end of the day, uh, it's got to be what Jesus means to us that really makes it. You know, what he's doing in our own lives. So now, don't preach to me. But I want to take a few minutes... And, and just those of you who want to, just stand and tell us, maybe could I say what the Spirit's doing in your life? Now, we're not, you know, we're not people from the Skid Row or whatever they call it here. We're committed people. We're not all the same. But who'll be first? Just stand up. And, I mean, you're among friends. All right, stand up and tell us. Now, 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 don't preach to us. Just tell us that little bit. Yeah. Just start a little bit. Um, like I, like I'm, I've been, I've been talking to my friend in my room about Christian person. He's like, well, I think we'll, I think there's a point where we, we can be perfect beings. And I'm like, I don't know about that. So, and I was convicted the other night. I, I thought, well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. And then God convicted me the other night. He said. Well, Andrew, you're not, you're not uh, taking care of your diabetes the way you need to, and 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 he was he was he convicted me on that. So 
He's like, wow, you know, you're not perfect yet, and you still, I still need to work to do in you. Yeah. Amen, amen, that's good. Wow. That's nice. Anybody else? Now, I'm not going to let you go. Sir, you, you tell me something. Sir, do I have to stand up? You have to. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I'll just say that in the last year, um, I attended, well, a year ago, I attended... GYC in Maryland, and it was my first time, and I look back over the last year from last GYC to now, and the Lord has changed my life. Amen. He's my very best friend. Oh, that's nice. You know, so, he's, um, yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's and good. And he's, I think, doing that in all of us, I can see that. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's good. Somebody else. Don't pretend that I can't look. I'm looking at all of you. You can look at the you can look at the ceiling if you want to, but I'm looking at you, little girl. T- tell me what Jesus is doing in your life. Is that you? Uh huh. Stand up and tell her. What Jesus is doing or has done. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Talk a little louder so they. Can, uh, That's right. Oh, that's I good. Amen. 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 Now, you know, she said something real big. She didn't tell us the whole story. But when you say, I was supposed to be married by this year, there's a story to that. And there? there's a story to that. And But you, did, you, did you hear what she said between the lines? I believe Jesus is working in my life. She's not blowing her brains out. She's not cursing God. Uh, So there's a story to that. uh, And I want to thank you for mentioning that because that was powerful, wasn't it? She didn't tell the story we didn't need to hear. But But she can say, although something happened, she can say, Jesus is leading in my life. One more person, who would be? We were, I was kind of hoping you'd say something. He's bashful. He's kind of bashful. Just shrink it a little bit. saying something real critical. I don't know if you heard, but Jesus is nicer than we are. Did you know that? You know, for us, it's kind of take it or leave it. You bum, get out of here. And uh, But he's not that way. Isn't that wonderful about him? And you know, when we, uh, it says 
if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive. And, uh, and that's wonderful about him. That's wonderful. He's nice. He's nice. Now he's, you know, he's glorious and he's the, and sometimes it just impresses me. It's so awesome. I use that word. Uh, it's so awesome when you think that Jesus himself created everything there is. And you know the Hubble telescopes have discovered there's 150 billion galaxies. I don't know who counted them. Now that's the galaxy. That's not the, the, the worlds inside there in the, in the constellations. Who is this God we worship? And yet he walks amongst us and suffered and all. That's really wonderful. Isn't that wonderful? Another thing, and, and don't misunderstand me, but uh, did you ever read the word Abba? Abba, Father, did you ever read that text, Abba? Do you know what that text means in the Arabic? It means Daddy. Now, when you think of your Daddy, maybe he wasn't, maybe he could have been a drunk or, you know, I'm, I'm putting it in the worst possible light. But we have a heavenly Daddy that's nice. He's forgiving and he's kind and... And sometimes when I talk to him, I call him daddy. Sometimes you got a tear in your voice when you do that. But he's our daddy. And he loves us and, and we're his children. Isn't that nice? That's really comforting. And though we make some crazy things, we can go to daddy. And I don't know if you're like me, <clears throat> but I remember when I was a little guy. And you did it too. Sometimes you'd be crying and you'd just go to mom or dad and just hold on. You didn't have to say anything. Just go there and cry a while and then they pat you on the head and you go out again and I think we do this we can do this with God you don't we don't have to he knows already and sometimes we just, we don't have to put it into big word it's just be comforted blessed are they that mourn for what they should be comforted isn't that nice to have that and so uh, why don't we do this if you want to as we get started this afternoon uh, let's just pray in groups of uh, two. Can we do that? And you and I will pray together. And, and, and if you have to make a three out of it, let's do that so nobody gets left out. We're just praying thanks, thankful prayers. Won't that be nice? And uh, let's do that as we start. <clears throat> okay, we'll soon get back together. Uh, I've written a number of books, and here's the, there's one of the latest ones. It's called Lord Save My Church, Tackling the Tough Issues. It's at the Book and Bible House over in the place. And it's got 95 points. And before we start, I'll just uh, just read a couple. See, it's not long, long chapters. It's just a point, and then there's, a, there's another one. And so here's some of them just for the interest. In the short term, uh, error may see, appear stronger than truth. And by the way, when you mix truth with error, you give it more credibility. When you mix error with truth, you wipe it out. Isn't that right? In other words, truth mixed with error is not true. Here's another one. It, it isn't correct to say, as some have said, that the church has apostatized. You and I are part of the church. Have we apostatized? So some have apostatized. You know, be, what we want to say is, it would be correct to say that some have apostatized. Here's another one. There have always been worldly people in, in the visible church, but in the past they were often not apparent. Now, I use this as an expression. They were in the closet. 
But now they're in the, right out in the open. In other words, you'll have people in the Sabbath school class, Sabbath school teachers that are teaching that they don't believe in Mrs. White anymore. Or the elder, even the preacher might preach that. And I don't know if, yeah, I didn't say it here. I was talking, this, we were talking after the class last time. The Sabbath's at risk in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Did you know that? And maybe I mentioned this to you. The thing that will cripple it will be the word legalism. And, and the issue is not, uh, you know, some people say, well, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Uh, well, it's lawful to do good every day. So the issue is not, shall we do good on the Sabbath? The issue is, shall we keep the Sabbath holy? Uh, and, and that's where we're having a, uh, a follow-up. Here's another one. Some of the greatest enemies of the church are former Seventh-day Adventists. Uh, here's another one. Watch this. Baptist parents rejoice when their children are saved. Adventist parents rejoice when their children are baptized. Is there a difference? In other words, you can be baptized and not, and not have given your heart to Jesus, right? Theoretically. Because we tend to make it a, a checklist. Do you believe this? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? And if you say yes to all that, then you're baptized. So you could actually do that and not be born again, right? Remember I used the illustration, you could be as mean as sin and still believe in the, in the second coming and the health message and everything else. So, so I think it's critical, and I use this illustration, that in the past, uh, we were not wrong, but we were narrow and shallow. Now, it was not wrong to say, don't eat catfish. But we should have also included, don't be mean. Uh, we weren't wrong in saying the seventh day is the Sabbath, but we should have also included, be kind. Now we're preaching, don't be mean and we eat catfish. You hear where I'm coming from? It keeps us narrow and shallow. And so what we, what we don't need is to throw away anything. We need to put on more stuff. Remember, that's what I said this morning. Let's don't shrink it. Let's make it deeper and wider and bigger. That's critical for us because I think some of us are kind of, uh, kind of desperate. And I, I, I don't, did I tell you this story in the morning? Uh, see, one of the things, and I, am I among friends? Uh, one thing about conservative type of people, which is most of the people here, right? We're conservative type of people. Is conservative type of people tend to be mean. Uh, and uh, and I, I was mentioning this in a sermon one day, and a guy came to me and he said, you're right, I'm mean. In other words, a conservative type of person will walk right up to you and tell you what's wrong with you. They're like a dog. They bite. Uh, one time I was uh, shaking hands at the door of a church and a fellow walked up to me and said, what do you believe about the nature of Christ? And uh, I knew this was a trap. So I said, if I told you, would it affect the way you feel about me? And he said, yeah. <laughs> see, see, watch this. And so I thought, well, I'm not going to go where he wants to go. So I said, I began to tell him what Jesus is doing in my life. And he said, I don't care what Jesus is doing in your life. It's what you believe that matters. And I just laughed and walked away. So I think it's critical that, that we who, who are more, more conservative, we be nice. 
In fact, I think some of the meanness of some of us discredits our message. Uh, because, because though our kind can be like attack dogs, now the worldly people are termites. You know what a termite is? They just eat your house. And for those of you from other places, they're a little bug, a little thing, gets in your house, eats all the wood, and your house falls down. Yeah, and so we've got uh, a group in our church that are eating the foundations out from under our church. But they, but they don't say much, they just eat it up. See? So, we, so the fact is, as I see it, don't forget that Jesus was killed by a coalition of liberals and conservatives. The Pharisees were which? Conservatives. They hated him uh, because he was so nice. The Sadducees were what? Liberals. They hated him because he was principled. But what we want to be is principled, nice people. Don't you think so? We want to be that. But watch out because, in, in fact, another point this, this book makes, I've got to... It says, don't let the fanatics in the church make a fanatic out of you. And you know what a fanatic is? It's a person who emphasizes one truth at the expense of all the rest. Uh, these are called, you call single issue people. And, and also, fanatics can be uh, uh, laying down a smoke screen. Uh, in other words, uh, using nature of Christ again as an illustration... I was talking with a friend of mine, and he said, uh, he was staying at these people's house, and he said, after the meeting that night, they debated the nature of Christ till one o'clock in the morning. The then he went to bed, they did too. The next morning, he's walking down the the uh, the uh, hallway, or what do you call it, in our houses, and he walked from his guest room past the master bedroom, and there in the entertainment system was pornographic movie. The point is, the nature of Christ was a smokescreen. Uh, these people's real problem was pornography. So, so this is why you've got to watch out. If somebody's doing this, you know what I mean by that. They're doing this. Then I'm not saying it's always the case, but that could be a cover-up for some real personal things going on in their lives. And another thing that I mentioned in that book is that a person's uh, theology will be often a reflection of their personal morality. In other words, if we have sins in our lives, now I didn't say if we're sinners, but if we have sins in our lives that we know we're doing and we know it's wrong, but we do it anyway, then we will be attracted to error like a bee is to honey. We will look then for ideologies and teachings that, that fit our lifestyle. And that's why, and I may have mentioned it earlier today, that the ongoing component of the Christian life has to be repentance. And repentance is admitting we're wrong. But you don't hear that word much anymore. You notice that? You don't hear it much anymore. I may mention that a little later. Another fruit of the Spirit is, and we talked, is, is we talked about joy, is peace. And the, they said, I heard the story of there was two uh, soldiers, you know, in a war situation, 
And I don't think they do this anymore, but back in the old days, they, they would do what they call foxholes. They would dig a hole in the ground, and then they'd fight out of that hole, you know. And so there were these two soldiers in this foxhole, and the bullets and the bombs were going off, and this one guy was scared out of his wits. And uh, the other guy was just, you know, and the guy that was scared said, how can you take this, man? There's, you know, how can you just sit there? And the guy said, well, this is just like home. You know, because some people's homes are like that. They're always screaming at each other. They're always hollering at each other. It's an awful place to live. I read somewhere, and, and, and I didn't make this up, but your life and mine is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we react. Most of the time... What we figure is, my problems are somebody else's fault. You know, if I just had a new dad, I wouldn't be so rebellious. Or if I just, I need a new mom, or, you know, I, 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 my brothers and sisters are, are no good. But listen, we're responsible for what we do. I can't change my dad. I can't change my mom and my brothers and my sisters, but God can change who? Me. And uh, now, of course, you know I'm a married guy and uh, got four children. And now, I'm, now you, you know, this won't mean anything to you. But supp- supposing that uh, my wife came, came in one day and I'd be sitting there and she'd say, Oh, no, it's not you, ugly. Man, I've wasted my life. I hate you. You know, now that's pretty bad, isn't it? Nothing has happened until I answer her. Right? Nothing's happened. Now you can say it hurts you and all, but remember, our lives are basically how we react to it. So I get to choose then what I'm going to do when somebody treats me a certain way. And if I don't say anything, then nothing happens, right? And I think that, that one of the things that I use when I do talks about the family and about the home is one of the things, and this goes for, you know, for you all too, is one of the things you learn is to keep your big mouth shut. You know what I'm saying? In other words, I don't have to respond to everything that's going on. I don't have to say something about everything somebody says to me. In other words, you can just let it go. If, if they feel that way, let it go. And another thing I've learned too is, uh, and we're talking about peace, is... Uh, is let's don't hold everybody against our standard. You know, one day uh, I was riding along in the car and I said to my wife, uh, would you be happy if I dropped dead? I just said that right out of the blue. And she looked at me so funny. And uh, and now I know if I dropped dead, she'd probably go. What I didn't want to happen was this. Boo-hoo, boo-hoo, boo-hoo. Oh, I'm free. And, uh, and, uh, I wanted to set her free while we were I was still alive. Now, not free to fool around. You know what I'm talking about. But free to be who she is. We're not the same. Let's understand that, that. That being full of the Spirit and being sons and daughters of God doesn't mean we're all the same. My wife is liberal. I mean, she's generous. And I'm stingy. I'll just tell you, I'm stingy. And you know what I've spent most of my life doing? trying to make her stingy like me. 
I mean, but you see, what happened was God brought into my life a generous person. For what reason? So that I'd have a model to be generous. But here I try to make her like me. And so I think that this is what we want to do when we have this, the, the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Helps us to appreciate uh, that we get a choice of what we're going to do about it. Um, uh, you know, blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called what? The children of God. So, so there can be all kinds of war going on in, uh, in our homes, but we don't have to be a part of it. By the way, i got to tell you a little story, too. Remember, uh, these are marriage stories, and you aren't into these stories, but, but you can identify them. Uh, one day I came home from work, and my wife was sitting on the couch, and her eyes were red. You know, her face was, you know how you, when you cry, your eyes are red and the face is puffy. And I said to her, uh, what's wrong? She said, Baby Cake died. Now, who was Baby Cake? Baby Cake was uh, our parakeet. And uh, we'd had uh, Baby Cake for, you know, a while. And Baby Cake could talk. Baby Cake could say, my name is Baby Cake. I'm a silly bird. Happy Sabbath. It was the Adventist. Uh-huh. And so uh, what happened was, uh, when my wife came home from work that day, Baby Cake was laying on his back with his feet in the air, dead. And there she was, she'd been crying. Now watch me now. I went right into the computer. I went to Google. You know Google knows everything, don't you? Google knows everything. You can't ask a question that Google can't answer. So I typed in parakeet lifespan. And so <laughs> in just about five minutes, I called out to my wife. How old was baby cake? And I hear that she answers, nine years. And I say, it says here they're only supposed to live eight and a half years. <laughs> what was I saying? Wipe the tears off your eyes. You got six extra months. But I hate myself for that. You know what I should have done? When she was crying, I should have sat down beside her and put my arm around her. What does the Bible say? Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And, and you know, I think we need to comfort each other more. In fact, I've learned this, that before you encourage somebody, you've got to comfort them. Because we'll say, hey, it's going to be all right. Everything's going to be... No, there's a time in which I don't need to hear that. I need to hear, I need to be comforted. Don't encourage somebody until you comfort them. Now you'd say, I'm not married, I'm not old like you. No, wherever you're at, you can do that. Do that at home. Do that with your friends. Now, I know you may not think that's cool, but I think it's awesome. How'd I do? But I'm just using those words just to... Uh... Oh, listen. <clears throat> We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit slowly but surely. My dad uh, was working in Nashville, in Tennessee, you know. And uh, now this was a bunch of years ago. One day he was on the uh, going to the office. And as he drove along, he saw a drunk fella staggering down the street. And the guy was really drunk. He was so drunk, he was using the building to hold himself up. And he was still so drunk that he lost his balance, scrapped his nose along the bricks, and fell on the ground. In a dead drunk. We use the word dead drunk. And my dad stopped the car. 
because my daddy was big. And he went out and he looked at the fella. He thought, what am I going to do? He thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put him in my car and take him to the office. And I'll just leave him in the car. I'll roll down the windows and uh, let him sleep it off. And so he picked the guy up, dragged him, put him in the back seat of the car, took him to the office, rolled down the back windows and went up to the office and forgot about him for a couple hours. And he said, hey, I think I got a drunk guy in my car. And so he went down to the, office, to the parking lot and there the drunk guy was just waking up. You know, you could imagine how he looked, hair all messed up, old bloodshot eyes, old dirty, raggy clothes. And, his, and, and the guy was just coming awake. And, and he, as my dad walked up, uh, the guy said, who are you? And my dad saw, said who he was. And, um, and the fellow said, what am I doing here? And my dad said, uh, well, I found you, uh, you know, laying in the street and I didn't want anything to happen to you. The guy said, why would you do that? And my dad said, because I love Jesus. And the fellow said, what's Jesus like? And dad said, like me. What do you think of that? Isn't that right? Hey, it's got to be that way. Uh, because at the end of the day, it's Christ in who? In us, that's the hope of glory. We can preach about Jesus all we want. And unless we have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we're wasting our time. And I've heard stories about fellows that were drinking together, you know, half drunk. And uh, they're arguing the Sabbath. And, uh, you know, I think Saturday's the Sabbath. And, he, and, and this guy's been an Adventist and, and he's drunk as a as we say as a pig, but he's defending the Sabbath. Uh, and probably they say the, the Sabbath is defended more in the, in the bar rooms than it is. But, but see, what good does it do? In, in, fact, in fact, doesn't it say that in, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels and I know all the answers and everything, but I don't have the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I'm, I'm just wasting my time. So, so to me, the greatest challenge. Now, now the young man, you know, he talked about the word perfect. Can I react to that a little bit? You see, the word perfect sounds like you've arrived. Now, now, tell me if I'm wrong. In other words, if I get to be perfect, will I need Jesus anymore? Now, now I mean, would I? No, I've arrived. Thank you, Jesus. I'll be seeing you. You know what I'm saying? That's what it sounds to me like. Now, I, I, I don't like the word perfect. Don't misunderstand. I like the word victorious. That means I can be getting victory every day. How long will we need Jesus? Read the last page in Great Controversy. It says, as the years of eternity roll, we'll become more and more like him. That means that, means that, that Jesus is, is he's our life. He's all, and that's forever. That's forever. Don't you like that? And so, and so, no, I know the word perfection. And, you know, finally, when we get to be perfect, and, and then, then it just crashes your head. Then you make, you know, you have a little problem, and then you say, oh, I'm a loser. You know, and I just, that means I'm insincere. I must be a hypocrite. No, it's a, we press on to the mark toward the prize. 
in, in fact, you know, I, I heard some, maybe I'll talk about it later. Did you ever hear, hear the story about the fellow that wrote the book, uh, Humility and How I Obtained It? And so watch out for the word perfect. We believe in overcoming sin. But I'm going to say later that overcoming sin is only half of it. Remember the story Jesus told swept and cleaned? Uh, they threw out the demons and they swept it clean. What happened? It was left empty and, and seven came back. So don't forget that half of the Christian life is getting victory over sin. The most important part is being full of the Spirit. Wouldn't you say that? Can you see that? Absolutely. And so, and so I think that obviously uh, I pray for victory over sin. I'm getting victory over sin. But what I pray for more is the fruit of the Spirit. That makes sin incompatible with my goal. And, and, and it works out good because we can't have a a Christian life where we're losers. We've got to be able to say like the Apostle Paul, I know in whom I believe. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've delivered. Doesn't that sound good? Uh, oh, I, oh, no, I already told you that story. Remember I told you about that survey I did where I asked the, you know, asked the people how they felt about the coming of Jesus. I didn't tell you about the last two questions. The last question, you know the survey I'm talking about that I talked about this morning? The last question was, when Jesus comes, will you be ready? And the possible answers were, yes, no, I hope so, or I don't know. How do you think the majority of the people answered that question? Hope so, or I don't know. Now, how can the coming of Jesus be the blessed hope? If that's the way we see it. In other words, in other words, are we wrong to say, if I ask you when Jesus comes, will you be ready? Is there anything wrong with saying yes to that? We've got to say yes to that. The Apostle Paul said yes to that. I know in whom I believe. We which are alive and remain. That's me. That's me. So, so we've got to, we've got to just understand. That, that we are now sons and daughters of God. Though it does not yet appear what we will be, but we know this, that when He appears, we're going to be like Him. Because He who has begun the work, He's committed. Uh, remember what he, we said this morning? He stands at the door and knocks. If we'll open our hearts to Him, He'll do what needs to be done. And I think that's the greatest challenge. The greatest challenge is to keep my heart open. And then he works in us, as the text says, to will and to do his good pleasure. Can you see where that is? But we've got to be able to say, when Jesus comes, will you be ready? Yes, by his grace, yes. And when we say that, we got hope. But if we say, I hope so, I don't know, then that's not a goal. That doesn't go anywhere. Can you see where that is? Did we do that thing that I wanted to do about what did you hear me say? No, I started on that story and we didn't finish that. Uh, how many were here this morning? A bunch of you, right? Uh, all right, let's start here. Uh, what did you hear me say this morning? Now, that doesn't mean everything. Just say one thing that popped out for you. Uh, st stand up where we can hear you. Uh, 
Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No, I'll just walk to him. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah. I'll just walk. Now, in other words, remember the illustration I gave was that sometimes we hear a good sermon and we go home and they say, what was it about? And they say, I don't know, but it was wonderful. Uh, but yet we also learned that even though the, word, the sermon's being preached and it's all the same words, we don't hear it all the same. We hear it a kind of according to life's experience. And so, and so what did you hear? Well, we're this, sort of stand up so we can hear it. Sort of? Yeah. <laughs> sort of, right. So can you st- sort of stand up? Yeah. Uh, well, we talked about love and joy this morning, I guess. Yeah. Uh, one thing that that I um, agree, not, not agree, but that, that reminded me was that home is the most difficult place to practice Christianity, first of all, because they know who I am. Okay. And therefore, it's very dip- difficult in such a way that it's hard to show our humility, uh-huh. um, especially to the people who knows me, uh, my past, what I was, whom I was like. And uh, uh, I have a, I- I'm taking care of one cousin. It- it's quite difficult. And when you ask about um, if you have anyone, I don't know if it was here, maybe it was, it was a different place, um, who's non-Christian that is in your family. Uh-huh. Was it here? Yeah, it was here okay. this morning. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's not easy because the way you treat um, your family at your home and the way you treat your friends, such in this kind of setting, is totally different. Uh-huh. Um, so I thought that Christianity requires deep humiliation. And, uh, <laughs> but, but, but what does Scripture say? He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Right? Uh, I have a, a sermon I preach about that. Uh, I don't know if it comes later because I'm I'm scrabbling my notes now just because it pops to my mind that in Florida, you know, we have uh, springs. They call them springs, but they're underground rivers coming out of the ground. In fact, Camp Kalakwa, that's the the youth camp there, it has a spring coming out. It becomes a river there. And so those rivers go back miles underground. And so sometimes the scuba divers go down in there. And uh, so one day a scuba diver's down underneath there and he sees his bubbles going down. Bubbles don't go down. They go up. So that means his equilibrium was upside down. So he had to decide how to get out of there. You see, now we've got a conflict between your feelings and what you know. He feels that the bubbles are going down and if he follows them down, he's not getting out. But his head's telling him that bubbles don't go down. So he had then to go against his feelings and do what he knew to be right, and he got out. And see, this is the challenge that we have in our lives. And I, it was interesting the way you used the word humility, because this culture says, he that's humble is dumb. If you're going to get someplace in life, you look out for number one. Don't let anybody walk on you. They're telling us that. Oh, and I, I, gotta, I don't know if this fits in the notes, but let me tell you this little story. That Remember when Jesus washed feet? To us, that means nothing at all. You know, I do that every quarter at the church, and I, I just wash people's feet, and I don't care, you know. But um, when, you remember when Jesus started washing Peter's feet? Peter said, don't touch me. 
And let me tell you, uh, I, now, I don't know how it is because we got some people from Asia represented here, but I was in Thailand one time and they gave me kind of a, when I landed there, kind of a protocol sheet. And uh, one of them was, don't point your feet at other people. And how would that go? Uh, in other words, when you're, when you're sitting on the platform, you know, like we'll do like this, and your feet are pointed out, you don't do that. You move them over. In other words, in other words if you do this, like we do, uh, toward the congregation, uh, you don't do that. You, you kind of move it over, see? And because the foot is an insult. Um, I even read in the paper uh, after I was over there where in uh, Southern California at, at a nightclub, there was a couple of people from Southeast Asia, I think a Cambodian and a, whatever they were in a Thai. And, and, and one of them was the performer, the singer, and the other one was the patron, just the guy that was in there at the table. And this uh, guy that was at the table had his feet up on the table, pointed towards the singer. And after the club closed, the singer killed the guy. And you won't remember this because you weren't even born yet. But there, there was a, uh, uh, what do they call it, a chairman of Russia called Nikita Khrushchev, way back. And he was at the United Nations one day and they, and they got pictures of him beating his shoe on his desk. And we thought, boy, he's out of his mind. He's an idiot. But he wasn't. Because what he was doing, when I lived in Pakistan, they had an expression, I showed him my shoe. Did you see the pictures of, of when uh, Saddam Hussein's statue came down? Did you see that guy running along beating it with his shoe? Uh, and, so, and so what I'm telling you then is in, in a large part of that part of the world, the foot is something that is the ultimate humiliation. And that's why when Jesus started washing Peter's feet, he said, don't touch me. In other words, I can't stand to have you do this to me. I can't stand to have you humiliate yourself like this. Don't touch me. And that's when Jesus said, unless you let me do this. And later he would say, unless you do it yourself, he is greatest among you. Uh, let him be your servant. See, this is contrary to everything we're taught. This is why I think, especially in the last days, remember what I said to you this morning, it's a war of our minds. It's trying to get, it's not just about which day you go to church. That's the easy part. Uh, that, because, you know, this, you just have a calendar and learn how to count to seven, you have that resolved. But the kind of things we're talking about, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is really big. Because it goes against everything they're telling. Love is sex. Uh, I look out for number one. Can't let anybody walk on me. Man, I'm not going to put up with that. Uh, we're messed up. And, 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 and it's affecting our homes. That's why, you know, what we talk about. It keeps affecting our homes. We know something's wrong because our homes are falling apart. And they're not falling apart for no reason. Now, you might say that your home's already falling apart. But we do get a new start, don't we? Now, uh, what else have some of you heard? Uh, William, you were here this morning. I, I, he's sitting over here. He's a setting duck for this stuff. I just come over here and take advantage of him. And so what did you hear me say this morning? When you were talking about joy, I heard you say that we go in the direction we look. 
and you made mention about driving, how you try not to run into something, but you keep looking at it, and so it's more, it's easier to run into it. Um, and the way we have joy is not necessarily that things are going well for us, but that um, we're looking to Jesus and we're looking forward to the blessed to the blessed hope. We live in the present, but we're looking forward to the future. Good, isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? And you've been here. What do you hear? You can stand up and tell us. <laughs> Um, that the gift of Holy Spirit, no, the fruit of Holy Spirit is better. What we have to work on than the gift of than the Holy gifts Spirit. of the Spirit. Now, and, and 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 did you hear what she said? That when we talk about the Holy Spirit, people want the Holy Spirit so they can be able to do miracles. Isn't that the way it works? If we just had the Holy Spirit, we'd have power. Now, don't misunderstand me, but power for what? Well, so we could be powerful. Well, what do you mean? Well, so we could do miracles. You know what I'm saying? No, what would, what would we want the power of the Holy Spirit to do for us? What's the big thing? To give us a new heart. Create a right spirit within us. That's what we want. We want that before anything else. Because we want to be able to tell people what Jesus is doing for us in our lives. Okay, let's do another one, uh, another fruit of the spirit. Thank you for sharing that, uh, for sharing that with me. Let's go on to the next one. Uh, patience. We talked about that a little bit. Uh, how do you feel about that? Have you been impatient? Oh, what's going on? Is the time over? Oh wow. Okay, okay. We'll take a break then. This media was produced by Audioverse and Hope Media Ministry for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to listen to more great media like this presentation, or if you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. You can also find great witnessing media at audioverse.org and at hopevideo.com.